Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan, but first I've got to shout out our longtime friends and sponsor, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene, Oregon. You can go to RadarToys.com and save an additional 10% using our code BATFANPOD, B-A-T-F-A-N-P-O-D, okay? Now, today we are going to get into a little change of pace. This is not quite Bruce Timm's Batman the Animated Series, but it is within that vein. It's not quite comics continuity, but it does touch on that as well. This is a great standalone story by the late, great Darwin Cook. We're going to talk about Batman's greatest villain, arguably himself. This is Batman Ego. All right, page one. <laughs> no. <laughs> we should just do some read through sometime or so Sam like the table you have the glasses you just need like a smoking jacket in a fireplace <laughs> I think this could be part of your um, getting into voiceover work or something I'm sure there's a zoom background that would work you know interior uh, close uh, up log- yeah face. just get a yule log that takes up the whole screen if you could put pwned on in the background so it's got like you in the center Yelling swear words with a bonfire <laughs> raging. Also, I would never. I don't know <laughs> yes, wh- what you think of me. Uh, this is our first semi-in-person episode in more than a year. Ben Polanski is in the house with me. Hi. He doesn't sound like he's coming through a phone speaker this time. <laughs> you can put that effect on later, though. Right? You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the big, robust voice is too much yeah. for the listeners. This handle. is our first time broadcasting from the moon because we can. <laughs> I wish I knew more Moonanites uh, quotes so I could have gone with that. But mm. and of course, evil coming from the speaker. Hello, everyone. <laughs> All right, so this is Batman Ego from the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. <laughs> the deep future of twenty years ago. Yes. Yeah. I hope when Conan moves to HBO Max and does his new show, I hope he brings that bit back because it was a classic. Yeah, This was written and illustrated both by Darwin Cook and lettered by Jonathan Babcock. I really like these stories that are few and far between where it's just one creator through and through and his vision in really a contained story that has... It's not beholden to anything else. No. You know? I find these the most interesting most of the time. Yeah, it stands on its own really well. This is clearly a from the first page, and you see that red sky, skyscraper montage of Batman mixed in with the buildings holding the weight on his shoulders and the bat signal blasting on his chest in place of the... The emblem on his suit, I mean, right off the bat, you're like, okay, this is going for Bruce Tim animated series territory. I only recently got this for the first time because I knew that Matt Reeves had mentioned it as an influence for the Batman that's coming next year. And that first page was like, okay, this answers exactly what this is going to be. Yeah, well, it really made me appreciate... 
one, how much I just like that style a lot, that kind of like art deco. I mean, yeah. the way the buildings look, they just it looks fantastic. But I think I might prefer this kind of visual style for a Batman story in general. Yeah. Because it's so stylized that it's easier to kind of suspend disbelief when you need to. Yeah. And, and there's not a lot of crazy stuff happening anyway, but... It's not so abstract like Batman isn't like four feet tall and then nine feet tall. There's consistency to it, but it um, it's just it's really special. Yeah, and that's true because it is such a contained story that seeing the big skyscrapers and stuff on the cover establishes Gotham as the world we're in without necessarily venturing much outside the cave in this story. It makes me wonder if we aren't just subconsciously processing everything through like a filter that was imposed upon us by the animated series. <laughs> like is, is this how we ourselves would picture Batman and Gotham or is it because the animated series was so influential to us that we're constantly making comparisons or preferences based on, I like this the best, you know? So, mm. That's the true Batman. Yeah. Yeah, like everything else is like a deviation from Gotham. It's not how I picture it, but it's not how I picture it at all, actually. It's how somebody else forced me to picture it. Well, and I remember, I believe it was Sean Murphy who had said that internally, when someone's taking over Batman or Detective, that they still give them the Anton First 89 designs as like Gotham, mm -hmm. okay? And I believe it was Eric Radomski who did the backgrounds on that show, the series, but it was definitely tied into the painted background, super gothic, art deco, old school, 30s vibe, you know? And so I think both of those tentpole projects, you know, late 80s, early 90s, really did reestablish everything that we've seen since. Did Cook work on the animated series? Yeah, I think he was a storyboard artist. I, I tried at one point to look up his IMDb credits, and they wouldn't let you. There weren't many. I couldn't. <laughs> no, I couldn't find too much. You um, forbidden. <laughs> so it wasn't like he was a director on the show or anything, but it, it did show him as like a storyboard artist. And I believe the foreword on this. This is a collected edition that I've got that has a bunch of bonus shit, and you know they do mention that he had something to do with the show, and uh -huh. sort of. I guess had a lot of a lot of resistance to his style early on because they said, "Oh, it's too cartoony. It's too animated." Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we definitely see that here, but succeeding in every way. It's such a great balance of that kind of like cartoony style. I don't know what era of cartoon that is. That's like sixties or seventies. It makes me think of like Venture Brothers or yeah. just all the Hanna Barbera stuff from that era. That style, but with like people killing themselves <laughs> or like, or like serious yeah. subject matter it just it, it balances really well yeah i mean i've always wanted to see like yogi bear <laughs> blow his brains out or eat uh the park ranger alive or something like yeah, that yeah people. yeah definitely um, like yogi goes rabid and needs to get put down <laughs> yes oh yeah we all remember that classic <laughs> <laughs> yeah th this uh even more than tim's stuff because generally when i look at Bruce's work. It's like simplified line art in very distinct shapes and chins, but less black than Cook's stuff is. When this guy's drawing stuff, it's half black almost all the time. And Ben's right. This is just like in the same way that Venture Brothers is imitating cartoons that came 30, 40 years earlier. 
this guy's art style is a lot like the graduated version of early comics or 70s action cartoons or something like he took that stuff because it was influential to him and then and then ran with it which also isn't unlike chris samney's stuff yeah or or you know any of these guys who like, like bruce tim yeah exactly they they were just super influential or even um mike allred's stuff yeah. with with madman or any of the other things that he's done they just they love that brush ink style and, and just these like very distinct like classic looking male faces and stuff well and for as much as i am a fan of the animated series i'm curious you like batman 89 better i know <laughs> shut up <laughs> cool that's funny because i if i look directly ahead of me i see the michael keaton uh painting on the wall <laughs> make but, eye contact with him not me <laughs> yeah i'll look at him when i talk because i feel less judged <laughs> I'm more at home with Michael Keaton, you know. <laughs> the brutal vigilante staring at you is less judgmental than me staring yeah. at you. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Because you do it with a smile, but you know he just he doesn't say anything, yeah. and it's the words that cut. <laughs> sure. So, what I was gonna say is, I have not though read the comics that spun off of the series that are in that style, the animated series. Yeah, really, uh, all I have is like mad love you know the original harley stuff but you know like they've got the revamp now like the adventures continue or whatever it's called i've yet to dive into that stuff and this kind of makes me want to more because i i find it translates very well back to the page Do, have you guys read any of that stuff no uh -uh. i think the only one i've read is some of the batman beyond comics mm -hmm. but like the newer ones where the style is a little more realistic than the cartoon was so yeah and i know that Dini did write some of that stuff, so they have some team members from the series doing that stuff as well. So I'm, I'm curious to check it out after this. Maybe we'll have to do one in the future. Maybe like one where he fights aliens or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Batman versus Animorph. But, yeah, don't say anymore. Batman versus Animorph. That's what I want to see. But <laughs> animated style. Okay, so the opening monologue... Batman laments the aftermath of Joker's latest carnage, saying at one point, what horrifies me most is that I seem to be getting used to it. And so we are introduced to Batman sort of at this crossroads, almost like a phantasm sort of thing, where he's sort of questioning, like, should I yeah, keep doing this? He's three years in, and he feels like he's not actually making a difference at all. The only yeah. thing that's changing is him. That's the line. Yeah, like I can't change this city. All I can change is myself. That's almost like recovery talk of like I can't control what happens, only my reaction to what happens, you know, something like that. But already I, I really like just the tone that they're setting. Yeah, I thought it must. I, I'm like, so this is three years in to his career. So Robin probably doesn't exist. How many years is it? Three years okay, in cool. to his career. Is that the third or fourth time that I said it? I just, <laughs> no, no, that was the third. I can count, guys. I want you to know I'm proud of it. Um, but I thought because it's so early and also because he seems so like stressed out about it, like, oh, there must not be a Robin yet. Yeah. But we learn later that Robin does exist already, mm -hmm. so that's not it. It's just... It's already running its course. Yeah. <laughs> Big Batman just sucks, I guess. Yeah, this is not the... Uh, 60-year-old, I've been doing this for 40 years, <laughs> Batman, uh, in this universe, it's not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> Something about Batman, maybe it's his detective nature or the fact that he gets sold to us as super intelligent or something, but 
I don't think anybody ever was just said Batman is really contemplative. He thinks to himself a lot, and he's a loner. But I, when I think about him, and I make, I think about somebody else. I don't get the feeling that some of these superheroes are doing a whole lot of thinking necessarily, or that's not how they get pitched to me. They're you're not questioning. About, you're talking about meatheads. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe they just. I don't think uh, they got their powers and. They think what they're doing is correct, and they are not questioning it. They're just sold, and they're just moving forward, where I think it's interesting that Batman has this personal vendetta, kind of this weird... Um, it's not weird. It's cool. It's, it's not weird. <laughs> it's yeah, healthy it's and cool. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's weird. It's not mean or scary or anything, but I like that he... He's very resolute and at the same time not necessarily very resolute at all. And just that he gets so much time because he's not constantly punching criminals and doing all this crap. There's many panels to show us that he silently swings through the cityscape and sits on top of gargoyles and stuff. And I get the feeling that he's doing a lot of thinking during those times. And I like stories where it's a lot heavier on his inner monologue yeah and when we get to see some of the conflict and stuff then boy do i have a story for you yeah batman ego available <laughs> <Yeah>. now what <laughs> a i really want to see something where like a giant monster batman appears on a huge computer and <laughs> in, in front of outer space and then in front of really tiny things and then yeah this is like the opposite of grant morrison's R.I.P. stuff where this exists solely in his head, and yet I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. There's not a literal split personality Batman harassing him in the cave. <laughs> yeah, not some alternate dimension within his head Inception Bizarro World shit happening from the dark universe. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know the terminology. I uh, completely erased that shit from my head like Men in Black. Wait, you mean that it got erased like in Men in Black or you forgot about Men in Black? You know how in Batman Ninja, Joker self-hypnotized? It was like that. (laughs) Please don't reference Batman Ninja. (laughs) I'm going to bring it up every time now. Just wait until those flowers grow in your backyard and they'll be right as rain. If this stuff isn't real, then who throws them into those glass cases in the Batcave? Have you seen Fight Club? That's what I was going to say. Or maybe none of that happened. Maybe like... He's such a Shut fucking. Up, Sam, we don't talk about that. <laughs> oh shit, my bad. <laughs> but maybe he's such a weirdo that he visualizes not only the big evil Batman, but he visualizes the big evil Batman tossing him into a glass case. No, you don't, you brute. <laughs> he's just sitting in his chair, just yeah, thinking to ah! himself. <laughs> okay, so before we get too far into that, because I, I do have some good lines that they have explaining too far already what you can and can't accept as real here but in the beginning during the setup here so it's it's in the wake of joker's latest heist murder whatever yeah it was a heist because uh buster the getaway driver leaves there was a double cross i guess he took the money when joker got caught they're really bad yeah batman had been stabbed twice as so he tries to cut off buster as he's been tracking him and as he slows down for a moment is like oh shit like, it, you know, the adrenaline wears off for a sec. He notices how much he's bleeding. Looks like he's in really bad shape. This is where he says, after three years, I, what am I doing here? I can't change this city, you know. I love it when an art style and a coloring style 
go together really well. Like this really just has either flat colors or just some color gradients, like on skylines and stuff. But I love how simple and popping something can look because early on it's very gray in that. And I remember like there's just a little bit of blood on his side and how popping that looks by contrast. Yeah. Just this. I mean, it's not even bright red. It's just like a standard red against the gray that looks. Well, and the white like, bandage, uh, like yeah. adding to it the contrast. Yeah, high contrast. It's super sticks out to me. And that's another one of those great things that you only get when you have a really symbiotic partnership or mm-hmm. a soul creator. When you know they really understand the vision that everyone on the project is going for. You know, totally. That's another reason I love it is because how else are you going to get like, all right, so what if we did Bruce Tim animated series, but like Sin City, you know, like that's kind of what I'm getting here on this bridge scene. Mm-hmm. It's great. That's a watercolor painting though. <laughs> um, so right here, we get a really big surprise as to this isn't quite the cartoon, even though we're rooted <laughs> in this, right? Buster gets out of the car to Batman's surprise, he's like, why is he stopping? I, I was planning to chase this man. <laughs> I was so excited. He climbs up the side of the bridge and jumps in an apparent suicide attempt. And Batman even doesn't realize it at first. He's like, oh, maybe he's stashed the money on the side of the bridge and he's climbing yeah. to go get the money. Oh, now he's going to go jump to get the money. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and really just not accepting how dark this is becoming. And so almost like the reader, you're like, well, this couldn't be what it looks like. <laughs> There's no way. And then taking it that far, he has to jump into action too late, barely catches this guy, almost like a Batman begins pulling Roz up, mm-hmm. you know, except for he's stabbed twice and he's got to do it with the grappling hook. Gets the guy back up to safety. And the guy's like, no, why did you save me? <laughs> you know, like fucking Harvey Dent. And uh, what happens here is even darker because he says that, well, Joker had made mention, I guess, to Chucky Saul, shout out to Animated Series, that uh-huh. he was going to come after this dude's family. He knew he got double cross. And so as soon as he gets out, and he always gets out, he's coming for the dude's family. And so he very quickly admits to killing his own family so they don't get tortured and gassed and distorted into Cheshire smiles and all that. And just blast himself in the head before Batman can fucking say or do anything. And this is like page three? Yeah. Maybe. Uh-huh. It's so fast and it's so... It's like as real as that would feel. There's not a bunch of storybook dialogue here. It's just like... It it really catches you by surprise. And I think that the art style only helps to... You said it already where despite the fact that it looks similar, this isn't what we're familiar with. And because of the simplicity of the art style, it's easy to, or if it imitates comics of the past, then you just think that, no, they're not going to cover certain ground or something. They're not going to take this thing to certain places. And because we're so used to the animated series, then a dude shoots himself in the head right off the bat. And you're like, oh, I was I was caught off guard. I thought that this was like a comic comic. Um <laughs> For kids. Yeah, for, for children. That man killed well, himself. Well, that shot, too, and I can't remember. I don't think you see. You don't see, like, gore, but it's 
Maybe yeah. you see Batman's reaction or something. Uh, there's like his face, his eyes, or something, and the and the blood like in uh, front of his face. Well, that's the thing. Like in the animated series, people got shot sometimes, but it would be like the camera would pan out and you'd see a silhouette on the wall. Uh, yeah, shadow. Yeah, and you'd hear a gunshot and like a, a sort of a human shape would fall over in shadow. It would never be like a self execution or something. No, <laughs> yeah, uh, no. yeah, and again with the with the really high contrast, bright blood. I was also gonna just say like old war movies where. Guys are just dead, 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 and people are falling over. So you're like, they received a bullet. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're an extra, because if they're a main character, they got to get hit a lot of times. Yeah. But if they're an extra, they go down like that. Yeah. Yeah, the main guy is gonna stand there and do a shimmy for like 20 <laughs> seconds, just <laughs> accepting all those bullets. Yeah, he's um, gonna live another 20 minutes. That's why. He, <laughs> he's gonna squeeze the dialogue. I really loved this panel where it's like black silhouette, red sky. He's got Buster. He's like hanging Buster, which is incredibly impressive. My first note was unrelated, and then I and I ended up in this place. I was thinking about how physically insane it would be to be on the edge of a building and holding another man's body weight out in front of you, one-handed, and not also fall. Even doing that, even holding a man, and then also simultaneously be able to punch the person because <laughs> he because lo- he looks like he's holding him by the collar and he's going to deck him as if holding him off the edge of a high rise wasn't enough you also need to punch them in the face well to bring back ben's hero michael keaton did it <laughs> yeah. keaton did it keaton no, did it. <laughs> michael keaton held a man over the edge and then they both fell off the edge of the building into a trash pile Okay. Well, that no, that, no, no. That's how we would do it. That's the cut we did. Michael Keaton would let his rubber muscles do the work for him. Oh, that's what fuck I say. You no, and he then he was, would get shot. He was <laughs> bolted to the ledge with those Jordans uh, or whatever he was wearing, and uh, <laughs> uh, and th- that's why he didn't fall off the side when he did the famous "I'm Batman." I just really like that move as well, especially because the way it's drawn and the way it's paneled really highlights how cool that is, but also how hard that is. Yeah. yeah. And I think in, Bat- in any superhero stuff, but especially Batman stuff, sometimes the amazing things that he's doing are so like uninterestingly presented or mm-hmm. they're so like run of the mill because he does that stuff all the time. But just yeah. this simple act that you described is amazing. It's an incredible feat of human ability. Yeah. And so like, it's just another credit to this story where like they take time to show the things that are crazy and really like appreciate how nuts this is and that he's maybe struggling to pull it off that that is a difficult thing to do yeah yeah Yeah, incredibly um shoulders are not the largest muscle group on a person's body typically yeah tell that to fucking kelly jones okay (laughs) yeah it's all (laughs) shoulders shoulders all the way down it's it's really sort of a shoulder back fusion it's a reverse pyramid you know (laughs) in that panel it says Last night I persuaded Buster that it was in his best interest to tell me where the Joker was. And I thought, you're really selling that super chill to yourself. Like, your version of persuading a person is holding him over a building, punching them in the face. Uh, torture, yeah. Yeah, yeah, torture. <laughs> like, you really, yeah. But the, but the, the nonchalantness of it. And then just, it seemed, I mean, he just said, last night. I persuaded Buster. So the yeah. turnaround for this whole series of events is is pretty stinking fast. And so we're talking about Batman struggling with his effect on the city and people's lives. And here's 
boom, bam, boom series of events and ends with a dude killing himself in front of him. Well, and I'll, I'll give you more of my special counting ability. He says <laughs> it took 27 hours total. So it's like he's been mm-hmm. up for 27 hours pursuing this, trying mm. to stop it. It's a shitty day. Yeah. And then he goes home and has a psychotic break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even go to sleep. That sounds about right. Yeah. And he drives home at 150 miles an hour to do so. Yeah, baby. As he's like passing out from blood loss. Yeah, he collapses yeah. at the desk there at the Batcave computer, confessing to a blown up Jumbotron screen of his parents' photo. Gotham is like the biggest city in America but there's a road in which he can drive 150 miles an hour unimpeded by traffic. Well, you remember it's because it was three in the morning or something, man. Well, when you saw Batman Forever, there's that long airstrip tunnel that runs <laughs> from the city yeah. to his house, yeah. so it's just a straightaway. Yeah, that yeah, no one okay. notices. Yeah. There's this panel where it's just like Batman's face. It says, is it realistic, this obsession? Is it sane? And I thought of Sam. <laughs> Why? <laughs> You're a focused individual. You're obsessed. <laughs> like the the sane part is where I felt uh, the need to question. Questionable but, sanity. Yeah. Okay. So Bruce slumps over in his chair and submits. He admits defeat. He says he's resigning from the cowl. It's sort of like in BVS, that wildly inappropriate flash reaching through the screen moment, like, He's exhausted and passes out there at the desk, and then that happens. And so on one hand, you're like, is this a dream? Is this all in his head? And I think more so in this story, you can get the feel that, yeah, a lot of this is just go- while he's fading in and out of consciousness yeah. after blood loss. And Well, and again, that's the benefit of the style, too, is like, as the reader, you don't know how much of that is in his head. Yeah. Again, not just in his head, like, obviously it's all in his head, but in his head, like, is he seeing any of this? Or is that all just, is it all for us yeah. to try and visually represent the struggle? Or is he literally picturing this stuff? And it, it doesn't matter because the style is not like Gary Frank, like super realistic where, yeah, like, that's... And this is where the giant demon bat, the sort of Batman Begins fear toxin demon bat shows up on this giant screen and, and says, I am not a costume or a persona to be cast aside and just starts really taunting him, mocking him, uh, like, oh, you think you can give me up, motherfucker? You know, like some training day, like, I run shit around here. You can't quit me. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Broke back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this part because I pictured it as a movie or as a cartoon or something, but the fact that where he he really first appears as the giant head on the computer screen, then that's the title page, and it made me think of like the delayed title in a movie. All of a sudden, yeah. you know, Bruce is like ah down at the bottom, and here's this huge head, and I pictured there would just be this like music swell, like boom, invincible. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only does it say ego, it says ego, a psychotic slide into the heart of darkness, and I was like, that is such a dope long title. <laughs> nice. That, that's but like yeah, the not, emancipation of one Harley Quinn that they just, let's not put it on the cover. We'll just, we'll save it. Mm-hmm. Something about the delayed title screen to me was really cool. Restrained, tasteful. Yeah, it made it seem like a timing thing and it really sold that page even more than just the image that they showed me. It made it 
cinematic to me. Yeah, and it's sort of also establishing like, okay, we've given you a little setup outside. Now this big fucking thing happens and you're not quite sure what to make of it. And right away, they pause for a beat, title, okay, so this is where we're going. Totally. Bruce turns off the screen and acknowledges his blood loss and exhaustion. And so, again, here we're sort of like, all right, so did he snap out of it, shut off? And then as he turns around and stands up, the fucking thing appears there in the room and it dismisses his questions. It says, reality is not the issue, you know, and then starts to fucking lecture him. And so, from there, we're kind of given a pass to like, all right, guys, if you can unplug just a little bit, let's go into this motherfucker's head and, and see how torn he is in his heart about, you know, where he's at. I, I kind of like that because it's giving us permission to forget for a second. I mean, that's a good example of the quality of the writing and just the overall quality of the presentation that uh, I was never like. This isn't real. This is stupid. Where's it? I just like this is cool. I'm on board for the way they're examining the character. That was a solid comic book guy impression for a split second. <laughs> <laughs> then we get a flashback of Bruce and his family opening gifts on Christmas morning. We see, of course, the uh, pearl necklace, the X-rated pearl necklace scene. <laughs> Wait, which version did you all been waiting for? <laughs> Yeah, I told you it's the hard copy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you hear that? Hey, you're the one with the pillow on your lap. <laughs> and it's going to stay here. I don't know what's going on down there. Yeah. I wore athletic shorts for a reason. <laughs> yeah, you keep talking like that, buddy. And uh, Bruce, of course, gets his little Zorro figure. And Thomas, disappointed with yet another tie. <laughs> that tie was awesome. I really want to see it. He was bummed, though. You could tell. He's like... <laughs> Gee, thanks. It's, just, it's like solid blue with a palm tree right in the bottom or something. Yeah, you want that one? I kind of do, yeah. I'll look for it. Can you get me a suit also? <laughs> I think yeah. a suit's out of the budget. I don't know. We'll see. Does anyone want to sponsor this show? <laughs> um, we're looking for... Uh, Suits and ties and cookies. Yeah. And also just, you know, to break even, yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas gets called away on Christmas Day to go see a patient. I don't know why he feels like this emergency would be an opportunity for take your son to work day, <laughs> but that's what happens. He brings him along and says, you know, because this is the fucking 70s or whatever, says, stay in the car. You know, you just wait here for however long it takes to rescue this man's in this life. safe city of Gotham. Yeah, yeah, totally. So he plays with his figure, he gets bored, he sneaks into the house, and the guy dies pretty much right there in front of him. And he sort of gets, a, I think, a wake-up call as to, like, the kind of stakes that his dad has to deal with. Well, and also just the reality of death, because they, they have the conversation in the right home. Where he's like, well, are you going to die? And he's like, yeah, someday, but not for a long time. Like, oh. Yeah, that probably is his first time really thinking of it. And, he, well, it was his time. Okay, well, what about you guys? When's your time? Holy shit, because, you know, when you're that young, your circle is very small. It definitely won't be soon and not in a dark alley by some rando. It won't be yeah, like traumatic much. or anything. Like yeah, that. you'll be fine. It won't shape your future at all. <laughs> well, I think that's interesting too because, I mean, obviously the character, it's that, his parents getting killed, that makes him what he is. But it's sort of like this split personality Batman. 
is implying that like just being exposed to death at all is starting to bring that out of him, mm. that other personality or that whatever way of coping or dealing with it. The death of a stranger brings that out of him. Yeah, because it says, and I kind of refer to him as ego in this. He refers to himself as ego Batman, is the living planet whatever. Green Lantern. Stop. Do not call that this character is the Bat Demon, or you can call him Batman. Okay, I'll call him Kurt Russell because Kurt Russell was ego in Guardians too. So, oh wait, I confused the two living planets. So, I'm sorry. so Kurt Russell says that uh, he's been brewing under the surface from that day forward, and that they were finally reunited as they give an homage to the year one bat flying through the window that they were that was their full circle moment of of acceptance and like yes i will embrace this this is where i'm taking my life enter the obsession a la ev's comparison here to me <laughs> lack of sanity don't forget that part yes i didn't yep. want to leave that out uh, i just um, i just also did want to leave that out yeah <laughs> Here's where he says, you prefer to call me Batman, but the reason you can never escape me is that my name is Fear. We would take all that pain and share it with those who deserve it. I'm sort of paraphrasing, leaving parts out, but, you know, it's nothing that we don't know and haven't seen, but the self-reflection of it. It's a nice new way of saying the thing we've heard many times. Yes. Uh, Batman is fear. That's the real point. It's not the costume or anything. It's just a scary thing. Yeah, exactly. So, Kurt Russell chastises <laughs> his his vanity with the bat branding, the bat signal, all that shit. I like Going that. and talking to people instead of just staying in the shadows and doing it. Yes, exactly. And needing some kind of celebration for what he's done. Um, there's a, just a few points in this, so I'll list them all out if you guys want to... Well, shut the uh, fuck up and not interrupt him. Well, yeah, I was going to say if you want to respond to the whole here, but this, this dialogue, he's talking about his vanity, his need for companionship, who Bruce mistakes for Gordon, but is actually referring to Robin, who I assume is Dick in this version. The emergence of all these supervillains that he has created, they acknowledge that for a short time the city was safe and then it kind of morphed into this other beast and his cowardly was the quote unwillingness to kill the joker saying you talk about the sanctity of human life while you lie buried under scores of human victims and we see also the the red hood killing joke vignette of you know the original red hood and and his creation and it says could it be that the great batman needs his arch nemesis to feel complete. And that's shit that usually comes from the exterior as Joker trying to plant that seed. Mm. But uh-huh. here is him actually ruminating on that idea. His own self-doubt. So this whole section to me is fucking gold. It must have been just slightly before this part, but there's a page where Kurt Russell appears in this. <laughs> yes, I'm on board for that being what we call him. If anyone's spaced smoke. out for a second, they're so confused now. Just yeah. rewind it, guys. This is Batman Addict, Escape from New York. Okay. <laughs> so Snake Plissken is on the bridge. Um, 
in this page, there's a very, a very large, very hunched over version of the bat character that looks a lot like a Kelly Jones thing, but there's all this awesome green smoke too. Yeah. And, and Bruce is in the front and you're really getting like a shadowed version of his back. I just love like arrogant, awesome burn writing. And, and <laughs> Bruce, Bruce says, my God. And Kurt Russell says, perhaps, but lately you've been lacking faith. I was like, that's so <laughs> badass. And then the, the part that you're talking about, Sam, the page where he's visually being covered in all these skulls. Yeah. While you lie buried under scores of human victims, are they simply the cost of upholding your cowardly morality? Yeah. And I was like, God, the anytime that we're reading we're reading stuff where we're seeing similar things over and over and concepts are getting explored by different people. But sometimes the way that people present them or write them or whatever, it sticks out to me so much more than other people. Yeah. Because it's the bad version of the good stuff that he's trying to do. You know, it's not wrong to not want to kill these villains, but at the same time, not killing all these villains cost all these innocent people all their lives. Just so you can say you're not a killer. Just so you can say you're not as bad as them. Exactly. So you, Just so you can feel good about not doing this one thing, but living with all the rest of this, that's weird. Well, and also just in Batman mythos, it's the only reason that they kind of give him a pass and don't just take him in. Uh -huh. Because if he did, yeah. if he was the Punisher or something like that, or Azrael, then yeah, Gordon would definitely not be friends with him. Uh -huh. <laughs> sure. I just think it's an interesting proposition. You know, how are you justifying this to yourself? Yeah, because them giving him a pass because he doesn't kill people or brutalize people too much is one thing, but he, that's not why he's not killing people. It's for himself, for his own, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He could still, like, do whatever he wants, and the police could just fuck off because he doesn't care. But he's not killing for himself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just so you can feel good about yourself as a person. And I like that this other half of his brain is like, yo, dude, this doesn't make any sense to me. Tell me about why that's your motivation and how you live with this as opposed to this. Like, what is your actual argument for this? Because we've heard it a thousand times and, and look at the actual cost. And, and I like that there's sort of this... I can't think of the movie. I think the villain is showing... It's used in a similar way where, where they're, they're trying to fuck up this character. It might even be Kurt Russell as Ego, but where there's like all these skulls that bury the character as like they're showing you the world, you know, that it could be. Or maybe it's, maybe it's Thanos with uh, the fucking reality stone or something. Yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it puts you in this sort of like Terminator land of skulls and you're getting like buried with it it makes me think of berserk though where there's this point where he's uh he's coming to terms with the fact that his ambitions are so lofty that they require the sacrifice of all these people who like rally behind him because he's the the leader of this group in this war and there are many pages like that where he's hallucinating anyways but he's walking on piles of dead bodies as the visual like yeah and you still got you still got a pile of them bro like you you and you you've done all this and all these people have died you've still not made it where you want to go so clearly you just got to keep doing what you're doing you'll get there eventually shit is it superman is it superman covered in skulls 
Okay, so let me carry on this scene with some of the dialogue here. So Bruce says, I'm not a killer. And Kurt Russell says, I'm painfully aware of that. I believe it has something to do with your father being a healer. As well as, of course, you know, he mentions their, their murder. But I like that parallel as well. We've seen darker Thomas Wayne, but I like the good, idealized Thomas Wayne as part of his motivation. I just, I really like, and it's what has already been said so far, but just the idea that this is coming from him and not from outside. Yes. Because, uh-huh. one, I think that rings true, is like, whatever, like, the worst things that you could worry about yourself or think about yourself, you've said to yourself. So, like, anything yeah. someone else could say to you, you've already had thoughts like that yourself. Or the flip side of that is he's been doing this for a while, it's beaten him down, and he's now digesting all the shit that his enemies know about him and are right about, you know. But I think it's because he's a super genius and he's super analytical. I like the idea that he knows all the angles of everything. Well, I like the idea that... (laughs) (laughs) Every, you fucking moron. (laughs) uh, Just like every possible criticism you could have of Batman or what he does or his methods or his motivations, he has also thought about himself. Well, and there's a reason that they're doing that too because he's not in the Batcave imagining the villain's saying stuff to him. Yes. And that that actually would be an effective use of it in the comic, but I like that they don't. Sure. I mean, that would show that maybe he's processing and internalizing some of these things that people have told him and he's starting to, the doubt is creeping in and he's seeing the results of things, but there's a reason that Cook presents it as him talking to him. Yeah, it's not so much like when you're, falling asleep at night or you're in the shower alone and you think of the dumb thing you said 10 years ago, you know, it's, uh-huh. it's not much as, as much of that as it is just him taking a mirror to himself. Mm-hmm. There's another part here where it continues. Kurt Russell says, as Bruce Wayne, you'll be free to chase women, build hospitals, whatever. But when the Batman is needed, you will leave me free to deal with the devil in kind. And Bruce is like, voluntarily splitting personalities? Is this what we are pitching here? Like, okay, this is a little too far. I wonder what that would look like. Well, I wonder what Cook even thinks that would look like and how he would represent it visually. Have you seen Me, Myself, and Irene? It'd be kind of like that. He is Hank. No, I have not. <laughs> There's that great scene of Michael Keaton sucking that woman's breast. What? <laughs> That's, uh, oh my God. Me, Myself, and Irene is where he like sweatily climbs out of the robot rhino's butthole. Yes. <laughs> Pretty hot in these rhinos. <laughs> but I have seen that one. Smoking. Yeah, smoking with a hard G. Yeah. <laughs> with a hard G. <laughs> so Kurt Russell hands him a gun, which I believe is the gun. Don't they mention that, that it's his parents' gun? How'd he get that? He keeps all that shit. Again, I don't think any of this is real because... How are you handing yourself something? I don't know. Have you seen Fight Club? Have you yes. read Fight Club? Oh, shit. It was him all the time. And urges him to kill the alter ego if they can't coexist. Like, okay, fine. Actually, that is Fight Club. That's the, whoa, you are shooting at two tons of nitroglycerin or whatever. Before Bruce ultimately decides to continue his crusade as long as they never cross the line of lethal force. There's sort of that negotiation of, okay, I had this crisis of faith 
so to speak, right? But I still believe in what we're doing as long as we never stray that far. And I feel like they had to end up in this place. It's maybe the only part where the writing isn't quite as top shelf amazing as it has been. But how else do you end this? You have to end there. I just I wouldn't wasn't... go if he killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were mad when I wanted him to die in Rises. Was it? You thought I was sick or something for you? Like you would hope. Anyway, I was projecting. I don't know. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I thought that it was sort of a, a quick come around on that. But of course, that's that's what was going to happen. He eventually. was in the cave for four weeks. This is <laughs> we're seeing a condensed version of his madness. Alfred just like opens the door and oh, he's still talking to himself. I'm just going to go right back upstairs. Like it's fantastic when he comes Throwing in with the lemonade. Into all the cases. And like Andrea Beaumont is is with him and and you know. Alfred walks in with the lemonade and like, oh shit, and turns right back around. It's like, oh, dude's still talking in the <laughs> reflection in the computer screen. I like that he has this significant talk with this ghostly character. And then his whole takeaway is like, nah, I'm good. I'm going I'm to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything future, wrong. <laughs> I need a, a face mask. To keep the brain blood out of my mouth. That's, <laughs> well, no. that's really all I do. <laughs> no, because he was he was the one who wanted to throw it away. And now he's really going, no, you demon monster Kurt Russell, you have some good points, actually. I, I do need you. How bad would he end up if he suppressed that? Even if he's not saving everyone and people are dying because he's not killing the bad guys, it would be worse if he wasn't doing what he's doing. Especially that's, that's his conclusion. post Batman, because now you have raised the stakes. How can you stop? Mm. You know, just yeah, let you Robin do everything. Let that little kid fight yeah. all these psychos. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dick, wait, you're wait 12 now. <laughs> you're going to be the man of the house. <laughs> okay. Well, just on the Easter eggs, there's not a ton, but I liked the idea that we were interweaving the Tim verse and the Killing Joke. You know, so it has some comic canon as well as some. Uh, animated ties this is sort of something almost like we're seeing with the white knight universe I, it makes me wish that darwin cook would have continued and, and been allowed to write more in his own line does he have any other batman titles one shots other or otherwise yeah this is ego and other tales which is odd on the cover they misspell ta- they put literal tales it's that's uh-huh. odd to me but they just kind of collect everything that he's done in Gotham. And so they're mm-hmm. just little shorties that are kind of not tied together in any clear way. They're really good, but I wish that we would have built off of this. I mean, I don't know how popular it was at the time, but shit, I mean, this is a perfect jump off, I think. Yeah. Is Tails supposed to be a kitty cat, Catwoman joke? I mean, maybe there's Catwoman stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kitties. <laughs> Bam, you fucking moron. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you got fucking moron out of me just exhaling like that because that's what I was saying in my head. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there but an wanna... episode recently where Evan said something really nice and I was like, I don't like what you just... And you were like, well, I just said the nicest version of... I was like, yeah, but I know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I even try. Uh Sam, you mentioned it earlier, but he talks about Chucky Saul momentarily early on. And, yeah. And uh, I like that. 
not an Easter egg, just a design thing. But I like that Kurt Russell has <laughs> crazy teeth, like the Clayface and Scarecrow do. Yeah. yeah, 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 like Beetlejuice. Pros? What do we have for pros, guys? Uh, well, it's I, I feel. You put on the spot now. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'll go. I'll well, no. Go I mean, ahead. I always say it, but it's true, and I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to take a long time to say this. I'm going to get to the point, and I'm going to say it clearly and succinctly, because I think brevity is the soul of wit. But also, it's a good way to get stuff across is when you really get to it. I think that's a fair point. Uh, what do you guys think at home? Is this uh, the best <laughs> way for us to deliver the prose, or do you think that we should? really drag it out when we have a shorter episode like this. I like the way that people interpret art at art galleries, and they're like, to me, this seems like like I'm analyzing the soul of the modern consumer and the deep hatred that he has for himself. I think that we should just make up crap more or less to... Uh, it was like, that dude actually just farted in front of a paintbrush. <laughs> yeah. And it splattered. That's, yeah. that's all. <laughs> that's and you have weird. such a that's great a imagination take. and also no taste, so you think it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... So, so do you want all that stuff, or do you want it to be another prose that starts off with me going, I like the art. The art is great. Yeah, but that seems like what I do anyway. So <laughs> yeah, that's ahead. Evan's department. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you talk long. I but talk small. Especially like when it's books where I didn't really like the story or other things, but the art is still great. I'm like, I like the art. But uh, the story in this is awesome. But I mean, I, I, again... I think if I had to pick a style for Batman and maybe comics in general, this is like the perfect style. Mm. It's real enough that uh, the like the violence has weight and the peop- the emotions have weight, but it's stylized enough that all the fantastic things don't take you out of it. Yeah, I think that I would put this maybe just under for me the sort of Fabok Lee. Finch style. That's still my favorite stuff is the really detailed comic stuff that DC is really good at. But if it's going to be stylized, I love that it's continuing this direction and building on it. That's pretty high praise, Ben, even if you didn't say a lot. I uh, I want to read Punisher Max drawn by this guy. Yeah, that's a lot to say that you wish that all other comic books (laughs) look like this comic book. Yeah, it just feels good to read. I mean... I like looking at it. Ev, what do you got? It's awesome in general. It's dark. The color palette is awesome and popping and simple. And again, it's a good fusion between it and the inks. Keeps me connected the whole time. It's not separating me from it. The writing is awesome. And I like, despite the fact that talking with Kurt Russell is coming out of mouth i guess but still it really is just an internal dialogue and that's some of my favorite stuff about batman is just the reflection and the thinking about his life and and just the thought the the, the, the opportunity yeah the opportunity for like the depth of character and the thoughtfulness that some characters don't have well and this is sort of like what you enjoyed about jeff Loeb and the superman batman they always have yep. the inner monologue about each other but this is just one dude's alter egos but act it out. Totally. It's short, but also it never runs the risk of me getting tired of it or anything, despite the fact that there's no way that I could tire of, I love this guy's art style. Like Ben, I could read a a whole lot of stuff that looks like this and it could have gone longer and that would have been fine. But 
there's also something about being to the point and leaving something to be desired and leaving you wanting more. Yeah, I think that this type of story needs to be short because mm-hmm. where do you take it if it's only a dude in a room by himself, you know? Well, and it's yeah. it's a great story for being a bunch of stuff that we've already seen. Yeah. Like nothing in this is new in the sense of there's no new like a new perspective on his character or a new perspective on the villains or nothing new is introduced in any way, but it's just executed so well. That it feels original. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like a joy to read. And and that's kind of my prose here is that it's both eloquently written and beautifully drawn. It's not new territory. It just really feels like it's rejuvenating some of these things that we love about it. It's It's the core tenets of the character being done very well. And... The fact that it is just a dude alone by himself the whole time, I mean, for 80% of it anyway, makes it that much more impressive that it's so visually striking. Like, what he does by animating and visualizing this dialogue is so cool because we get flashbacks and we get this big shadowy creature thing and it's presented in such a creative way that you almost forget that it's just a dude by himself. I mean, it's a page turner visually, yeah. and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. That is the most impressive thing to me. That whole character, too, really gives off some Ghosts of Christmas Future vibes. Uh-huh. That guy doesn't talk, but... Jiminy Cricket? Like, is that the name of that character? Yeah, yes, Bob exactly. Cricket? Thousands <laughs> of years ago, into the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ghost of An- Christmas. Or, yeah, yeah, Christmas Past from the Future, yeah. Another Aqua Teen <laughs> reference today. <laughs> cons? No cons. Yeah, I don't either. I have one minor thing, and that's just the year one cursive lettering style. It's not my favorite, hmm. but uh-huh. that's it. I don't think the trifecta is relevant to this story, so I think we can skip that. It's all trauma, but he does the ninja move of holding the guy's body weight. Okay, yeah. That's, that's pretty ninja. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not. So maybe we're just lacking in the detective story. But you're right. Yeah, the action just happens early on. Even quickly trying to rescue that dude and like sacrificing his body to to counterweight that dude with the line. And yeah. it's just that it happens all in the beginning, and and then after that, it's him talking to himself. How did this get made? There's a podcast where when they're talking about Fast and the Furious, where any one thing that happens in the Fast and the Furious movies, if that happened in a slightly more realistic thing, that would be the entire movie. Yeah, the one thing, and then the rest of the movie would be them going. Oh, did you see that thing I did 20 minutes ago? Yeah. And so like that one move is enough because mm-hmm. it's given weight to be like, this is an insane human feat. Like if they took one thing that happened in Batman Ninja, <laughs> yeah, instead yeah. of throwing in 75 crazy things yeah. that you're completely desensitized. Yeah, what's supposed to be special or unique yeah. or exceptional. Well, and maybe Batman would have like got some high fives from his buddy had Buddy not killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, he went for the high five. And, oh, it's just a headless corpse. So. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings. 4.5. I'll give it a five. I think either one of those are good. I went with the four and a half as well. It's not like necessarily it's not enough. The, I could see, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily like the first thing I think of in terms of all-time favorites because it's new to me. But I think for what it does, doesn't get much better. Yeah, yeah, super dope. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. 
All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for checking it out yet again. Please subscribe to it. Give us that five-star rating. I do want to address, if you heard, an inconsistency in sound for a moment on Ben's mic. We did have an issue with the preamp, so that is uh, what happened there. You're not going crazy. You did hear it. The other thing I'd like to throw out there is that right after we did this episode, I watched Birdman again with Ben's favorite actor of all time, Michael Keaton. I couldn't help but notice in so much of that movie, here was this guy fighting with his own inner monologue and the physical manifestation of it as Birdman, the character he once played. And I couldn't help but draw the parallels. So check out Birdman as an accompaniment to this. I think it's a great piece. We're going to be back next time with Son of Batman.